I think we are live. And good afternoon. It is approximately 310 uh, Central Stand or Central Daylight Time for me. Uh, good afternoon. I am your host, this is Dr. William Cooper, and you are hanging with Dr. Cooper on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Uh, regardless of where you are in the middle of July, uh, literally, I hope you all are doing well. It's been a while since I've been with you, but I am here with you now. And um, I want to thank you all for being here. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get into uh, before we get into um, more of uh, of the program. Uh, I am now uh, I am now uh, as of yesterday, I think, or, or Friday. Yeah, yesterday was Friday. I am now on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. So we'll be uploading this uh, broadcast onto those platforms. I know it is a Saturday afternoon in July and many of you aren't going to be able to join us live, but I know and I certainly appreciate the fact that all that all of those of you who like, subscribe and share uh, the content uh, that I do put out on my social media pages. But we're now on the the a couple of the major uh, podcast outlets, Spotify and Apple uh, podcast. So I want to thank you all for being here. If you have any comments, as usual, we are on StreamYard. We're stream, uh, streaming live to Facebook, my personal Facebook page, Dr. Coop MD. Uh, also to LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. I do not have my Instagram up today, but uh, maybe here in a moment, I'll, I'll get my phone up and we'll get we'll get that working as well. But all the people on on Instagram, you know how to get me. Uh, you have to come over to one of the social media sites, and again, you're able to see me later on on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, today, I have a very, very special guest, uh, my good friend. Um, I, I feel like, and he'll probably tell you that, uh, I feel like I've known him a lifetime, and he will say, well, yeah, we have, <laughs> and probably several lifetimes. Um, and uh, just briefly, uh, uh, my story, uh, I bought uh, Dr. Harefield's books uh, about three years ago, and they were just sitting on my table. Uh, I think these two I took to Kansas City with my apartment there. As you all know, I worked there time to time. And I had them sitting on a desk. And, and last year, for the first time, I picked them up and just started reading. And it, I was so enthralled uh, that I literally just reached out to him and said, Who, who's Dr. Harefield? And so I started doing all of this. And now uh, here we are several months later. Dr. Harefield, I would legitimately say he's very humble, uh, but is a is a great friend um, as well as advisor, spiritual advisor, especially uh, uh, to me on my uh, journey uh, in this life. And as you all know, on Hanging with Dr. Cooper, I don't do a lot of uh, advertisements. I think those are great. I think everybody has a story to tell. And so without any further ado, my friend, aka by some as the American monk, uh, Dr. Stephen Harefield. Take it away, my friend. How are you? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for the uh, intro. It's uh, one of the things in life that I enjoyed probably the most is interacting with people and helping them understand that uh, life isn't serious. It is real and it is sincere. And the reason I use that wording is because when we take things serious, it seems heavy or weighty. Mm -hmm. But when we take things sincerely, we just know it as just that as to what it is. After having spent life um, in a monastery in northern India, several of them, in fact, 
as a Tibetan monk, I learned uh, life as we see it is how we see ourselves. And the very thing that we look through, the majority of the time we refer to as the ego. So I guess that's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. And, ilu and illusion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Doctor Harefield, tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, you've been on this. You've been on this. I mean, your life has has been, as I've come to know it, uh, in our many conversations. Uh, just give give our audience a little bit of background on 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 your beginnings and how you ended up on this on this work of of spreading consciousness and educating people about spirituality. Well, when I came into this world, I mean, all I knew was uh, difficulty. I uh, was raised in a, I would have to say my family put uh, the funked in the word dysfunctional, um, but it was also very abusive. And when I got drafted to go into the United States military, I was excited, I thought, because I was getting out of a torture chamber. And I found myself in the jungles of Southeast Asia, also known as Vietnam. Uh, and here I found myself in a combat zone. So I had gone from living in conflict and directly into conflict. And I was, well, lack of a better way to put it, frankly disturbed and I wondered why and I'd like for everybody to know I was born and raised in uh, Catholicism. And I wanted to know why, out of all the people on the face of the planet, was God picking on me? What was it that I had done to experience all the extreme difficulty that I had? And I found myself, after... Uh, graduating with a degree in psychology, I found myself wandering around in Northern India. And then one day I was approached by um, two Tibetan monks that said I was uh, there in India to learn and that I was welcome to come with them. And I thought, okay, I had a little bit of time fact it was summer and I thought okay I could spend the summer doing this I'm all right with that over six years later is when I left the monastery to return to the United States but in that time I learned so much about the value and the magnificence of what us humans actually are and who we actually are uh, and I found out that God hadn't singled me out that I was doing quite fine on my own and that life was showing me the way that I saw me, which I couldn't acknowledge. And that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. But it turned out to be the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, what? Go ahead. I, I was going to say, and after that experience, uh, and I returned to the United States, I decided that, you know what? I was going to attempt to walk away from what I learned. But it kept after me. And then through the years, I began to notice small things and small nuances about life. 
until I realized, wait a minute, everything they taught me is true and it's real. That we are divine creatures, that we are much greater than we ever even believed that we could be. Until this very day, I have found that we all are a direct reflection of the divine source, however it is that one wishes to see that, but that's who we are. And in that, I also realize the value of the ego, which most people don't. Stephen, let me ask you this. Um, and I've asked you many questions um, over our time together, uh, but this is one that I find um, sometimes um, and, and I have to choose my words uh, carefully with you, as you know, <laughs> so I won't say just, troubling. Or just, troubling. Just, just, just talk, my brother. <laughs> and, you always say, and you always say spit it out. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, no, but 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 here is here is 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 something that I've been contemplating. Um, who who or what is ego, and why? Who or what is ego, and why? Um, and you you and I've gone over this a few times, and I think I understand it, but I'm evolving. So for, the, for the benefit of the audience, because this is what you're going to be doing a three part series on. Um, here in the in the starting next Tuesday, as a matter of fact, yes. uh, who, what, and why is the ego? If we are divine creation, and we and God is us, and we are God, and God is with us at all times, why do we struggle with ego? Well, if you remember one day in a conversation, I asked you if there was any organ located within the human, and you, as a physician of all people, would know this. There is no organ that we can pinpoint and say, this is the ego. My undergraduate degree is in psychology. And of course, after being a monk, uh, I'm not sure that they are themselves understanding of the mind. Um, let's understand something. In the idea of creation, being a three-dimensional human is a miracle in itself. If we look at just the word, the simple word human, human, hue means light or energy, and man means form. If you were to sit down and read the Bible and everywhere it uses the term man, as in Genesis, the Bible says, let us create human in our image or create man in our image and in our likeness. Well, first off, that makes no sense because it's talking about itself in a plurality, which in psychology, that person would be uh, ins insane. <laughs> yeah, uh, diagnosis. Yes. But it says, let us create man. But if you insert the word human in there, it reads totally different. Let us create human in our form and in our likeness. That makes more sense. Why? Because there are men and there are women. I don't care what the media and everybody else says, but there are those two ideas present. So if we look at the term hue, meaning light or energy, man meaning form, there had to be, if you will, an interface to connect energy and form 
as an operating principle, that circuit or that connection, well, happens to be the ego. The ego is the prism that passes information from energy or soul, changing a word, soul to form. And what we experience gets passed back through the ego, back to energy or form. So you see, we really, as human, if we did not have an ego, we would all be robots. We would all be on automatic pilot. We would be wandering around in the world just like every other living creature does. But the universe being the, the brilliant idea that it is, wanted to create us in its image. And it did that in a physical sense. Our disconnect is always in a conflict or a dispute with, frankly, an illusion, something that is not real. The ego is a word that yes, we all believe we understand what the ego is, but most people do not. An example of that, a uh, simple thing, Coop, would be uh, a drop of water falling from a cloud. It separates from that cloud and it descends towards Earth. It has individuality. And then when it hits the Earth, let's say it lands in the ocean, that drop of water, which for a moment in time, experienced individual nature and now it landed into a collective known as the ocean energetically we're no different than that drop of water and when we came into three-dimensional reality we landed in the ocean of collective consciousness and the interface that connects us to that consciousness but allows us to maintain individuality happens to be that same circuit. It's the ego, which creates William Cooper, physician, or Dr. Stephen Harefield, philosopher, if you will, uh, author and, and whatever else. We can look at ancient texts. In fact, in ancient Sanskrit, the word ego is defined as what we would term as Satan the tempter and it literally says that in the scripture it refers to satan as the tempter the ego is a valuable tool that we can utilize if a person leans towards only physicality then our drive everything we do is based on physical nature if we lean towards the idea of divine or consciousness, the ego will filter the same. In other words, it is that distinguishing idea that creates the human and creates our dreams that we ask life to present to us. The ego will, it's everything about us that gives us the unique expression of the divine as a living being. Without that, we would be a divine living being, but we would not know it. So to me, people ask quite often, why is it most people don't behave that way? That's not that difficult. Of all the things I learned as a monk, Coop, was that life is not easy, but it can be simple. 
And because of that, if we keep everything simple, the ego cannot make it complex. Why? Because we keep it simple. The ego is probably one of the largest inputs for analyzing all the time. And you know my favorite thing, Coop, look at the first, first four letters of the word analyze and it'll tell you what it'll do to you. Yes, yes. <laughs> but because we are a physical human, we tend to lean more towards the physical attribute of the ego, which is where it gets its ability to seemingly control us. But here's the funny thing. You can ask any human out there, do you like to be controlled? 99.9% .9 of people will say no. Okay. If you don't like to be controlled, then why are you being controlled by an ego? Well, I'm not. Well, hold on. That was your ego right there that responded because it doesn't want you to know that here's our options. And we're the only living thing that has this option. We can allow the ego to control us or we can control it. If you look at the symbol of yin and yang, it's half black, half white, a touch of each in each section of, of that symbol. What most people don't notice is that thin, red, that thin red line right down the middle? Yes, sir. Buddha said, take the middle path. That's what he meant. Christ said, do not judge. When we judge, it's the ego that's doing it. It's the ego that determines something is good or that something is bad. When that's not the purpose of the ego. The ego is to help us achieve that divine realization. Here's something simple for everybody to look at. Coop, let's say you are God. You are the entity that created everything that we call life, except your name is Coop. Okay. And in your creation, you wanted your entire creation to be just like you. Okay. How are you going to get them to do that? You could make them do it, but then what do you have? You have exact duplicates of the divine source. That's it. Here's the funny thing. We are. But you wanted that entity that you created to choose which side of life it was going to realize. That being said, that would mean you would have to have your creation, you, me, everyone listening to the, to, the, to the show. You'd have to have them discover it, search for it, realize it. I remember one day when Master Lobsang, one of my teachers in India, said to me that there was nothing to search for in life. At the moment, I had no idea what he meant. Here's what he meant. That... When you are searching for something, it does not mean, well, what, if you're searching for something, what that means is, is you do not have it. So, giving that scenario, if you were this creator, how would you put that idea and where would you place it? It has an answer. And here it is. You would make it so simple that nobody would believe it. And the second thing that you would do is you would make it blatantly obvious yes. because everyone would overlook it. 
It is already every human that is alive. Well, Stephen, wait. Well, how come I can't walk on water? Well, because you believe that you can't, because your ego has you believing that you can't, so therefore you won't. Anytime you look in the mirror at yourself, you're looking at a divine being. How many of you actually consider that? Do you look at just the body? Do you look at just your life? Are you caught up in the money, the car, the hair, how you look, what other people think? That's your ego at work, keeping you distracted from the ideal of creation, which is you. The ego also creates unique expressions in every individual on this planet. Without the ego, you would not be an individual. You would just be the ocean and you would not know any difference. And the interesting thing is, it all comes down to a simple choice and how you see yourselves. Can I walk Can I on water? Can I walk on water? water? If I were to say yes, none of you would believe me. And if I were to say to you no, every one of you would Uh-oh. What? <laughs> Every, I think I think we lost you there, but I think you were saying everyone would agree with you if you said no. Um, I, I did say that. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if I said yes, I could, nobody would believe it. And if right. I said no, I can't, everybody would believe that. Right. Stephen, let me, let me, let me, um, I want to dig a little deeper here sure. um, on this idea of the entities, if you will, uh, the entity that is this ego mind, if they are um, one and the same, and then this person, and then this true self. And you and I've had a conversation in the past and, I, and you asked me, well, there is the observer and there is the experiencer. And then there is the actual person or the actual thing that's doing the activity, if you will. Close. Uh, like, yeah, Close. got it. <laughs> Right, give it to me again, so I, I make sure I want to make sure I want because we got an audience. I want to make sure we're right. <laughs> okay, um, there's the observer, there is the participant, and there is the observing participant. Okay, gotcha. Okay, those gotcha. are the three. Now, 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 I, I want to try to connect that with something that you told me several months ago, which is the really the the only true sin is a sin of separation and uh, this idea that uh, that that somehow the me I is not a part of the true who you are. And then yet we talk about the ego as if it is a separate entity, if that makes sense. It does. So so if we, we've got this ego over here that's drive so much. I mean, and you and I've had this conversation. I mean, 93%, I think, uh, from I think I read that in one of your books of the time that humans have been on this earth, we've been in some kind of conflict, largely driven by ego, war, uh, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if it, it's that powerful, and yet we are should be uh, in union with that 
Um, then I, I'm wondering how, or, or is our goal, if there is a goal, to be in unison or be in union and in balance with this thing we call ego? Well, here's the funny. First off, the idea of separation is probably the largest illusion. In fact, I once heard it said that if there is a sin, uh, there is only one, and that's the illusion of separation. We're not separate. You may be in St. Louis, and I may be sitting in Reno, Nevada, but energetically, we are just as connected if we were sitting in the same room. Mm -hmm. The difficulty with us humans and uh, the misuse of logic or overuse of logic, and I've said this to you before, when you're studying medicine, you use logic to study it, to understand it. But yet when you're actually in there in the surgery, going back to the, the story that you shared in opening, a guy stabbed in the heart. Well, wait a minute. You stabbed in the heart, you're dead. Because that's what we're taught. But when you're in there and you're in a surgery, as experienced as you are as a cardiologist, you're here now doing something that you've never done. And the divine takes over and it operates as you through you because it is you because it can see the end result that you necessarily cannot and then what it does is it guides your physical form into the proper steps to save that individual's life now you as that surgeon you have an advantage there and i said this to you before because you pardon my humor you operate there when you're in the operating room. <laughs> so you so your own divine pilot when you're in there. When you're not in the operating room and you're just walking down the street, now you've separated yourself from that source. And, yes. And yeah. and now you're back to utilizing your logic. Okay, that's fine. To a degree. I've said this a gazillion times. Logic is valuable in some things logic is what the ego interfaces energy to form and logic interfaces form to life which is why we rely on it so much what i mean by that is is without logic you could not walk in a forest of trees because you'd be bumping into every tree out there because you wouldn't be able to distinguish the open space between the two right so logic has its value but logic will not allow a person to achieve that divine state which is all of our birthright it's who we are it's not what we are logic works on what and because we give so much credence to what the ego operates in that same direction. It will follow your lead. And then what it will do is it will magnify everything for you. Here's the funny thing. If you mm -hmm. lean in the other direction towards the divine source, it will do the exact same thing. Oh. I, can, I can sit here and say a simple rule of thumb in life is this. If you would like to know what's running your life, it's simple. 
I'd have to sit here and say 90% of people are controlled by their ego, yet they will tell you, no, I'm not. Watch them, watch their behavior, and you'll see what I mean. Anytime you react to something, that's your ego doing it. Now, the ego in its original intention was a great thing. Imagine you're a Cro-Magnon, you're walking out of your cave after a night's sleep, you're scratching your butt, you're stretching and yawning, and all of a sudden you hear a sound next to you and you look up and there's a saber-toothed tiger. Your ego, <laughs> your ego is going to save your life. I know right. that from being in Vietnam. I'm alive today because of my ego kept me alive. Its primary function originally was to make sure the physical being lives. That's where it mm-hmm. operates from, from that primal beginning. And here's the funny thing. If your wife gets mad at you, your ego is going to be facing a, a, a saber-toothed tiger. It's no sure. longer your wife. You, it's a life and death now. Mm-hmm. And that's why we react to things the way that we do. But excuse yeah. me, the last time I checked, I don't think saber-toothed tigers are around anymore. <laughs> oh, by the way, when I was in India, I had a friend uh, that weighed about 400 pounds. Yes, yes. And it was a, it was a male Bengal tiger. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how I met this thing, my teachers, people think being a monk is easy. And here's a cute story that really happened. One of my teachers, Lob Sang, asked me one day, he said, what is my greatest fear? And I told him a slow agonizing death. And he nodded and as he he was walking away, I started scratching my head going, I don't know if that was a good answer I gave him. Several (laughs) days later, the abbot, uh, Kaila, wanted me to go into the little village to get some things like thread and some other stuff. And I went, okay. And I go out the front door of the monastery. As I'm headed down this little path, I look and there's a Bengal tiger staring straight at me about 80 yards in front of me. And I froze. I was only five feet from the door. My ego had me freeze. I couldn't move. And this cat started moving very slowly towards me. And I'm standing there thinking, I'm dead. This is going to, forgive my language, this is going to suck. That's my (laughs) ego talking to me. And I couldn't move. It's like my feet were glued to the ground. And then the last thing I can remember was this tiger full flight right at me. I mean, it's, its legs were out like breakfast. And he came right down on me and I'm screaming and hollering. And if I would have paid attention, my ego hadn't blinded me. I would have noticed the cat was not hurting me, but I was screaming for my <laughs> life. It was licking my head, its feet. You know, cats do when they're playing their hind feet. Oh yeah. 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 He was seasoning you up. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was being softened as what was going on. And I heard this laughter. And I got this cat (laughs) off my head, still not realizing that it wasn't hurting me. And I turned around and looked and there was Lob Sang who asked me the question, Kaila who sent me on the mission and about five other monks. Three of the five of them were on the ground rolling around laughing. I had never met this tiger before. 
and 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 Lob Singh patted his thigh. The cat jumped off of me onto him, and I'm going, "What in the? Whoa!" I'm down at the river washing my robes. You know what happened? Mm-hmm. And Lob Singh told me that the the tiger's mum had been poached, and the monastery raised it, so it loved monks. And I didn't know that, and they didn't tell me. But what Lobsang did do is he had me had me face my ego's greatest fear—a slow, agonizing death. And by the way, after that, any time I was out of the monastery, there was that tiger. And by the way, his name was Shanti, which is why when I message you or send you an email, I always end up with Shanti, which stands for peace. Yeah. yeah. His full name was his full name was Shanti Che which was Peaceful Tiger, and yeah, he, became, so me, uh, he became my friend. Let me, let me uh, just give a, um, uh, there's a, uh, Alfred, thank you for coming in. Alfred, uh, LaDonna Hemphill, and my mother-in-law, Bessie Webb. I saw you out there a little bit ago uh, for listening. Thank you all for listening in. I'm talking to Stephen, uh, Dr. Stephen Harefield, who is uh, a monk, um, philosopher, a psychologist, also a religious uh, historian and uh, I would say theologian knows more about religion than anybody I have ever personally met um, and, and the origin of all the religions in the world. And he's talking to us. Uh, we're we're doing a little preview here today of his upcoming uh, Zoom seminar series on uh, the ego, master the ego and master uh, yourself, which is uh, going to uh, be live on uh, July 18th. I think that is 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Yes. Is that right, Stephen? Yes, yes, that's correct. That's this coming this coming Tuesday at 4 Pacific. All right. Tell us a little bit about the the, the It's a three part series. You're going to do it on the 18th, the 20th, and the 24th. Tell yes. us a little bit about the ego uh, series, uh, how that came to be, and why you think it's it's so important uh, for us to understand. Well, you know. Uh, by the way, when I was getting my master's in uh, religion and theology, I used to get myself in trouble a lot uh, with questions I would ask. Um, one of them was I, I shared with you initially was we in our, let us create human in our image and in our likeness. But what I found and came to realize that the truth is still there, even in the Bible, it is there. But in the Bible, it talks about when Adam and Eve were supposedly kicked out of the Garden of Eden, it had cherubs or entities garden guarding the entrance to that place of peace. And then I realized after being a monk that one of those cherubs is the ego. You can't enter a place of peace if you're filled with things like deception, um, anything mean, however you, anybody wishes to see that. If, if you're going to take advantage of people, hurt people physically, mentally, emotionally, you cannot enter that sacred space. So when we master the ego, we master ourselves because there's nothing left in any way, shape or form that you could construe as deceptive, uh, hurting someone, wanting to even stab someone, 
And I can only suppose that's why that man was in your operating table today. And he's very fortunate that he had you to be the surgeon in that. So the ego is the protector of innocence, of self, really. And once we understand that, we can learn to use and train the ego to operate with us so that we can enter that sacred ground. And you want to know something that's funny, Coop? I got that right out of the Bible itself. It says that if you understand how to read it. So it is in there. There is no such thing as Satan. Take a look at uh, the story of Christ. Buddha had to face his ego. Uh, Christ had to face his ego. Every great master that's ever lived has had to face that challenge because that's the final step to becoming that living divine creature. If we look at the Bible in the book of Matthew, according to that gospel, Jesus wrestled with Satan in the wilderness for 40 days. First off, let's all understand something. The wilderness is not like going out into the forest and facing a tiger. That's not it. In the context of the, uh, the biblical phrase, it's the wilderness of mind, which is the only place the ego has any playground to run around in, is in our minds. And here's Christ in this wilderness of mind, wrestling with Satan, ego. Satan was telling it to do all kinds of stuff. Like, come on, man, you can, I'm using my wording now, Come on, man, you can get on top of that temple and you can throw yourself off and you can just raise your own self up. Who can kill you? I mean, you can do anything that you wish to do. You can make this world any way that you choose to make it. And Christ finally went, listen, dude, sit your butt down, leave me alone and just get behind me and stay there and shut up. And Satan went, ah, he's got it. Okay, cool. And then the rest, so to speak, is religious history. But Buddha had to do the same darn thing. Two opposites. Uh, Buddha could have been the wealthiest, most powerful man in India in that period of time. And he walked away from it. Started searching everywhere, looking ev under every leaf, every rock, following this group, following that group. And one day he sat under, under the Bodhi tree and went, this is just BS. What the heck is all this? That's when he faced his ego in that moment and realized, wait a minute, I'm looking in the wrong place. I have to look in me. Who am I in this? Who are we in this? That's the question everybody is going to be faced with and has to answer. Forgive me for my emotions, but this is so special. The ego is your key. It's your ally. It's going to get you to where you choose to go. Coop, you became an incredible uh, a cardiologist and surgeon. Your ego helped you get there. And now you're looking at the other side of that. And you're discovering other ways of seeing things, which is making you a much more clearer human being. Because you're using the ego to help you do that. You cannot deny it. 
You cannot get away from it. So it's there to help you. Use it as a tool, not as your enemy. If it's an enemy, it's an illusion. And you can't fight air. Air is going to win every time. The ego is going to put you into things to help you solve things. Let's say a person, and this is every human has experienced this, even the people listening. We've all experienced rejection. If you have a fear of rejection, ego is going to play on that with you. But to the ego, it's playing to you, the individual. No, you are afraid of you can't stand being rejected and you will fight it. You will give yourself up to please that other person so that they will accept you completely. And in the whole time, the ego has one message to get you to realize that you are a unique expression of the divine source. And once you realize that and you no longer are afraid of rejection, the ego did its job. It taught you that rejection is the illusion, not you. Not everybody is going to like you. Not everybody's going to like me. But here's the funny thing. When I was younger, that would bother me. And after being a monk, honestly, this is going to sound crass, but it's okay. I don't care. If somebody doesn't like me, that's okay. That's your decision. That's your ego. And I think you have to look at your ego. And that mm -hmm. has nothing to do with me. And that's where we can use the ego as a tool because your ego fits you and no one else. What do you think, Stephen, where do you think this demonization of the ego, um, where did that come from? I know you and I have talked, had deep, deep conversations about uh, the the deception that that we've been under as Christians for over 1600 years and some others for perhaps even fewer years or some others perhaps even for many more years than that. But the, the, the what role has this um, programming um, and uh, this pre or I should say conditioning uh, from a religious and I don't want to be critical of religion. This is not the point, but I think for many of us, and I've expressed this to you on a number of occasions, that I'm so shaped and formed and have been most of my life by a religious dogma that for the most part, a lot of it is just just false. And it's not necessarily, well, I shouldn't say that, but it, but I would say it's it's not necessarily truth. Um, just, just, just talk a little bit about that in our remaining time. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to take this head on because uh, the universe is not giving me any options. So here we go. If we take a look at the formation of what we call the, the Bible, the biblical text, first off, it wasn't formed until over 300 years after the crucifixion of Christ. Uh, 300 years. And it was formed in a period that we know today as the Dark Ages. And we know, looking at history, that during that period of time, there was a lot of different superstitions that people believed in. You know, um, you had to sacrifice any virgin uh, to the volcano gods. 
because the volcano was erupting or whatever, and I'm being somewhat facetious, but also literal as well. Right. Uh, so it was a very superstitious period when the biblical text was created. And to be candid with everybody, what was done was that a new superstition was created to usurp and circumvent all the other ones. So it gave us one major superstition. And then, by the way, everybody was tortured, persecuted, dissected, burned at the stake so that early religions could gain the level of control that it has. In fact, Pope Gregory the Great in 985 AD, and you can Google this, anybody can look it up. He's the one that called Mary Magdalene a prostitute. The reason he did was because she was the leader of a group known as the Gnostics. Gnosis stands for knowing. Gee, isn't that interesting? Christ, knowing, Mary Magdalene, huh? Mm. And it was the early church's greatest competitor. So he deemed her as a prostitute. Now consider something. Who's going to follow a prostitute around? unless you're going to pay for services. Nobody. That's why that was done. She was not a prostitute at all. There's nothing even in the Bible that even indicates that. If we look back in history, so many people, Carl Jung, uh, and I can go on and on with uh, psychologists and, and, and uh, great ones, so to speak, they're the ones that termed the ego. And they termed the ego is a ugly thing. I get it. Hitler couldn't have done what he did if it had not been for his ego. Martin Luther King couldn't have done what he did, Coop, if it hadn't have been for his ego. But we can see that pendulum and how it can swing in either direction. You lead it. You give it the input. And then it's going to feed that input back to you. Great athletes are great athletes because of the ego. Don't ever bother to tell Michael Jordan he can't jump because his, yeah. ego, his ego won't buy it. And then he's going to show you that right. he can. Okay. So the ego has great value depending on what we do with it. And it also has destructive value. And they've always used the term, the word ego, as a trash can to throw everything in it, especially if it was ugly. Uh, we've all heard uh, growing up and even now, oh God, they have a big ego. Well, how do you know that? Well, here's the funny thing. You have my book on karma. And in karma, there's the law of the mirrors, which is the fifth principle. And the fifth principle of karma says, what you see in another has to be in you first or had to be in you first. So if you look at another person and you claim they have a huge ego, what you're not noticing is your own ego because that's what's helping you see the ego in the other person. Right. Right. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, so the other person may not have a large ego, mm -hmm. but you do because you're claiming they do. But right. the person that, oh, I no, I don't have a big ego, I, but they do, but I don't wrong yeah that's yeah. how the ego will tend to work because yeah, it yeah. will show you exactly the type of human being you're 
behaving as in any given second that you're alive. And here's the funny thing. If you don't see it, it'll keep you repeating it until you do see it. So the ego is a tool. It's not our enemy unless you are the enemy to yourself. And if you are the enemy to yourself, the ego is going to take advantage of you. Like I'm getting, I'm getting it, my friend. I am slowly getting it. Let me take that one more step if I can. Adolf Hitler, a lot of people don't realize and historically using, using him. His mother was Jewish and he could not stand that side of himself. Austrian. And, and yes. And because he couldn't stand that side of himself, look at what he did. And his ego is the thing that would not let him accept that side of himself. You know what? Everybody stop it. You are who you are and you're the gift of life. If you don't believe that, the next time you get down on yourself, take a moment and look at the fingerprint on the tip of your finger. That's the only one of those fingerprints in this entire reality. I don't care where you look in the universe. That is your signature. That is unique to you. So when you go to compare yourself, when your ego decides to compare your ego against somebody else's ego, you are forgetting that one little simple idea. It's ridiculous to do it. When I look at Coop, I see a human. That's what I see. Yes, I know what his descent is. So what? Mm-hmm. But I know that he is every bit of divine as I am. Because that's who we all are. Forget the covering. Forget whatever else you might think. But each of you is a gift. You are the expression of your own individuality with your ego driving it. You know, Stephen, I think I think one of the things that uh, really um, that that I have learned and I will say that I've learned from you over this period of time. And that has been that has been really it is is and I want to just emphasize it because and so I think this 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 conference and the series that you're doing is so important is that ego has been so demonized and weaponized in some ways. Um, you know, and, and most people have no idea what the hell we're talking about when we say ego. I mean, you know, and so I think it's so important. I didn't, quite frankly, until about eight months ago when you and it's taken me some time for you to get me to a point where I get it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I just because you say it and, you know, it's so much a part of who you are and it's so much a part of what those people who are really, truly uh, in that spiritual realm is, is, is. And that is this. Your ego, ego does not need to be destroyed. It needs no. to be used as a tool. And as just yeah. as much as what we see, all the bad, all of the good, mm-hmm. and all of the ugly. But let's just talk about the bad and the ugly that we see out here in this world. Yes, created by ego. But we collectively have the ability, using that ego in a spiritual realm, to do even much greater good if we will. And so I think for me, that's kind of been a little bit of an eye opener here, Stephen, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, in, in our time together uh, over the last several months. And I really hope that that's something that comes out 
uh, and is really emphasized in the in in, in the in the seminar series. Well, it will it's be. A, it's about that mastery of 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 who you are, and using that wonderful tool that we have. Uh, quite frankly, which is the ego. I had a friend of mine a long time ago tell me I needed to kill my ego. I said, well, "You want me to die? I mean, I guess if that's what you—that's your goal. I mean, I—I you know, I mean, you want me to go away? Then I could. I mean, I don't know how to do that. But, but anyway, the, but the clarity around that—I uh, just think is so important uh, to, to where we are and where we're going collectively uh, in this collective world, universal consciousness that we all find ourselves in today. A couple of things. Uh, as you were saying that, um, I remembered something that Eckhart Tolle wrote in his Power of Now, that the ego is like a sinking ship. Yes. Uh, and so many people have said, we've got to get rid of it. And like the, the, the acquaintance of yours that said, you've got to kill the ego. Well, you would snuff out every living being if you did. A sinking ship? No. Look. The ego is teaching you to be the master of you through your own perceived weakness. There are things Coop can do that I'm not. Am I jealous or insecure of that? Not at all. But there are things that I can do that I know that Coop cannot do. And for me to compare myself to Coop is ridiculous. Remember the fingerprint. Because I'm taking away from that if I do that. And I'm not going to do that. Yes, that's my ego telling you. I am not going to detract from me. You did say something, and I, you say the ugliness in the world. That's your ego's choice of words, by the way. Yes, 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 yes. Because, I'm aware. Very yeah, much. I know. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize: the one of the hardest things for us humans to wrap our heads around is the idea of there being no coincidences geez just imagine if the entire world all of a sudden woke up one morning and bought the idea that there's no such thing as a coincidence do you ever think there would be another war i think not because every one of them is done with another intention there's no such thing as a traffic accident not really it's a, a thing that happened on purpose because somebody was on their cell phone, not watching while they were driving or whatever. It's just whenever you're doing what you're doing, be with it, be in it. This thing that Coop and I are doing right now, this is the only thing on my being is this. My ego knows that and it's going to stay right there with me. The moment I diverge, I can see something ugly, but I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I've seen ugly. I've been in a combat zone. I've seen people decapitated, shot, mutilated, seen it. Mm -hmm. And I used to think it was ugly. Now, yeah. no, I don't. Yeah. It's a part of life yeah. to teach us the beauty and the magnificence of just being a human. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you all of you all are hanging with Dr. Cooper on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Uh, my guest is Dr. Stephen Harefield. He can be reached at harefield.com, www.harefield.com, H-A-I-R. I put it in the comments, H-A-I-R-F-I-E-L-D. Yep. Uh, I am now, of course, um, live on all of my social media channels, and this podcast is now being published 
on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. I certainly um, thank all of you for your, your wonderful support. But I really just want to remind you a couple of things, really, so we can continue to do this great work. Um, is to like, subscribe, and share if you have something. And then now on the podcast uh, world, as I understand it, is also download. Uh, I have joined uh, Dr. Harefield's movement to raise consciousness in this world in my own way uh, by becoming educated, becoming uh, more thoughtful and aware of who I am, first and foremost. Um, as Dr. Harefield told me months ago, we've got to master you and then we can we can go out into the world and and do the things. But but it, it's not that linear. And I know he's thinking to himself, okay, here's Coop and his logic linear. But no, it's not. I like that. But but he knows that was your ego. That, that, that was your ego. It was. But he knows that I know now. I'm starting to get it uh, a, a lot more. But uh, if you want to reach out to Dr. Harefield, you can reach out to him at www.hairfield.com and backslash Zoom egos. E-O-O-M-E-G-O.html if you want to register uh, for his Zoom series. If you register, you don't have to be present uh, to, to have access. It will be uh, recorded. It will be at your fingertips after the conference is done. It's going to be on July 18th, uh, 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific, Pacific time. July Pacific time. And then uh, it's going to repeat. Uh, well, the extension of that or the, the, the final two series are going to be on the 20th. 4 p.m. Pacific, as well as on the 24th uh, next week, um, uh, Pacific time. Uh, Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. Uh, I'm going to leave you alone this week because I know you got the Zoom series. I'm going to see you at the conference on uh, on Tuesday night. Thank and you. Uh, you and I will recon you reconvene uh, probably in a, in a couple weeks. And then also, uh, I've asked Dr. Harefield, if he will, to come back and just give us some more knowledge on hanging with Dr. Cooper uh, over time, you you guys have. Uh, I mean, it's it's a tremendous. I told my family in a family group text or chat several months ago. I said I I've really enjoyed speaking to Stephen more than I've enjoyed speaking to anybody else in a very long time. Uh, and the only other person that really rises to even think about that in my life is my father, who's now had several strokes and he's in his early nineties and and is is uh, got some other issues. Uh, but I really enjoyed talking to him. I, I hope you all have enjoyed uh, the time we've had with him together. Stephen, any, any parting shots, anything yes, you want to lay on uh, before we go? Yes, sir. I would very much. Go ahead. When we all learn to master the ego, we can change the entire face of what we call reality. This world is a place of peace. It's a place of divine beauty. It's a place of divine acceptance. And if we're not able to achieve that state, then what we see in our reality in our world remains simply the same. But I've noticed through the years that I've been doing that, more and more people are stepping up and they're mastering themselves and understanding the true value of what it is to be a human. You are your own teacher, you are your own student, and what's gonna guide you the most is that thing that we refer to as the ego. Let it lead you in that divine path and in that divine direction. And maybe collectively we can change the face of humanity. That's my goal and that's my ego letting everybody know. I would like to shift the face of the entire world and that's what I'm after. And you're certainly on the right uh, track, uh, Dr. Harfield. Thank, Thank you so much, ladies and my gentlemen. Pleasure. It has been a pleasure this afternoon. 
Uh, and uh, you all know how to get me on, at Dr. Coop MD on all of my social media channels. And please, again, like, share, uh, comment, subscribe, download the podcast uh, from Spotify or Apple Podcast. I really appreciate you guys. Have a fantastic remainder of your weekend and a remainder of this wonderful thing we call life. Peace. Coop out. Bye-bye. Thanks, brother. Take care, my friend. I'll see you soon.